everybody, and welcome to the bonus episode of the Tumbling Saber podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Nathan. And joining us this week to discuss John Boyega's huge comments is Raven from the Sisters with Sabers podcast. Raven, welcome to Tumbling Saber. Thank you for having me. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. This is it's going to be fun and educational. I hope that's the whole purpose of this because uh, you're the 2020. I've called it the year of the pre-order, but it also might be otherwise known as the year of listening. <laughs> we can only hope. We can only hope. Uh, so last week, I mean, the reason we're here is to talk about John Boyega, who we all know and love. And he's he made very clear his feelings that we all kind of suspected anyway. But now they are clear. So he spoke with uh, the UK version of GQ magazine. Magazine. <laughs> I don't know what's going on <laughs> to me. Um, and he talked about a, like a variety of things associated to, to showbiz. But in keeping it to Star Wars, again, he made his feelings quite clear. So one of his first quotes is, You get yourself involved in projects and you're not necessarily going to like everything. But what I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character, market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. So that was the first Star Wars shaped quote. And then the second, even more pointed. Like you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley. You knew what to do with Adam Driver. You knew what to do with these other people, but when it came to Kelly Marie Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you know, fuck all. So what do you want me to say? What they want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. Nah, nah, nah. I'll take that deal when it's a great experience. They gave all the nuance to Adam Driver, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest. Daisy knows this. Adam knows this. Everybody knows. I'm not exposing anything. And so those are the thoughts he's. I think he's put out there before on Twitter. Not as comprehensive and explicit as this. Uh, and the fallout from these quotes reached a bit of a fever pitch on social media, as as always. Um, but still, some people don't quite know what he's going on about. So, Raven, what are people missing here? Like, why are people having such a difficult time grasping his point? Well, I think uh, the reason that people are having a hard time grasping it, it, uh, grasping it is because he's talking about something that a lot of people that honestly are listening to him talk have never experienced, first of all. Secondly, I think it's a failure of critical thinking. People are reading what he said and hearing, quote unquote, something different than what he's saying, because it ended up being, oh, you know, he's taking it out on Daisy or taking it out on Adam or, you know, whatever the case may be. It's like, no, that isn't what he said at all. I think there's a real, um, again, I think it's just something if you haven't experienced it, it's hard to, to grasp, but he's talking about the simple fact that you put him out there, made it look like he was going to be a Jedi or the savior, the hero, the whatever. And then you made him run around screaming Ray for three movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and I love Finn. I love Finn and I love John, but that's what he kind of did. I, I, I agree. I mean, it, I think he's right. Like Finn, uh, gradually he was brought into TFA, fairly prominent role, certainly presented as if not the, like the lead, it's a one a type situation. He was mm -hmm. really pushed forward. Um, and then as we get through the trilogy, he's sort of, put into a side plot in The Last Jedi. And he's still, I mean, to be fair, he's still got a, a bunch of screen time, but we, sure. then we can de debate the sort of the weight 
of that yes. screen time? How relevant was that time? You can be on the screen all you want. If you're just twiddling your thumbs and picking your nose, you're not, you know, your, your arc is not going anywhere. And I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what he was mostly upset about. And then come uh, Rise of Skywalker and Finn doesn't get any resolution to his story in a real way. So I get mm-hmm. why he's totally disappointed in his Star Wars experience overall. Um Nathan, how do you feel about all this? What are your What was your general impression reading the the piece? I'm pretty sure that I know where you came down on it, but uh, let us know. <laughs> well, honestly, I mean, I, I you know I was reading about it on Twitter before I, I actually saw the article, and uh, frankly, I I didn't think his statements were as controversial as people were making them out to be. Um, I thought that I mean it was a fair criticism. And even though they were, he brought up points that I hadn't considered and and didn't see. Um, you know, they quickly became obvious reading through that interview. Um, you know, I mean, he he's criticizing parts of the trilogy that that I do enjoy, um, but I can still see uh, how there could be shortcomings in them. Uh, you can hold two thoughts in your head at once if you if you really work at it so you know (laughs) you can yeah you can like something but also recognize how it can be better um and i think i think we have a responsibility to be while we are enjoying star wars and these things that we love or no matter what it is harry potter or or lord of the rings or or uh, comic books or whatever what whatever it is um we have a responsibility to be critical while we're enjoying these things or not enjoying them whichever way it falls if we're consuming this media um i think that we should look at it with a critical eye and not just roll our eyes when someone brings up um uh, brings up a point that maybe we didn't see or we're not inclined to see, um, you know, I, I said this when we were talking about, uh, on the last episode of the regular show I was on, we were talking about that issue of bounty hunters. And I said, you know, when, when people lodge these complaints, <laughs> when people have problems with the content of a story, um, especially from a, a, a social issues <laughs> perspective um you know tr- trying to find the best way <laughs> to put these things uh i may be overreaching or underreaching but but i hope my my point's coming across but it's you know um we need to approach these things with empathy and gentleness and understanding um because a lot of times these issues don't affect us, but that doesn't mean that they're not important. Um, and we should also ask the question, why don't these things affect us? <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think John's points are great. Um, you know, I mean, the thing is these, this is obviously how he feels. Um, so he's not, uh, making a point outside of that, he felt that this this story did not serve uh, him well or his character well, and 
that's that's fair. I mean, he can if he feels that way, he should feel free to express it. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's he's no dummy, right? He's not just an actor. Mm-hmm. He's a producer. He's he's as a business guy. He understands what a full rounded character arc would look like. And I think when you look at the trilogy, you it's easy to see from his perspective the potential that his character started with and then it just kind of fizzled. And so Absolutely. Raven, when you came into the force awakens, you've been a lifelong star Wars fan. When you came mm-hmm. into force awakens, like are you a spoiler phobe or do you kind of dabble in spoilers a little bit? I try to avoid spoilers when I can. Um, <clears throat> but I, I also have a, a distinctly strong ability to ignore things, even if I do know them. <laughs> um, and kind of just go about my business. Um, but I do try to stay away from spoilers as much as possible, but I'm also one of those people that's there on opening night. So if you can spoil it for me, it's because you told me three seconds before it happened on screen. If maybe if I went to the bathroom or something, cause I mean, I'm there for the first show so I, I can avoid spoilers in that way, but I, um, I'm able to just kind of brush it off, but I do try to avoid if I if I can't be there right away, I will avoid spoilers if I can. Okay, that's that's good then because I wanted to talk about the the bait and switch from the Force Awakens, where Finn mm-hmm. was plastered all over the place holding the lightsaber. He was in the tree, like Finn was the Jedi, mm-hmm. and that was really cool for a lot of people who aren't pasty yep. white like me. And <laughs> right, but I was steeped in spoilers. When mm-hmm. I saw that, I'm like, no, I see what you're doing. You're hiding it because I know that she's really the Jedi. And it, right. didn't, it didn't dawn on me then the harm that that could cause. I understood. Mm-hmm. Oh, I understood that Lucasfilm's being cute and they're they're going to play the shell game here. And they want to surprise yep. us. And same with the toys. When they started hitting shelves, the first Ray figure didn't come packed with a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And so even that was it was being kept secret that way. So they really wanted yep. to protect the secret, but someone like me who dove all the way into the spoilers, I knew all along what was coming. So when it mm-hmm. happened, it there was no shock to me. So I missed sure. all of the the hurt that that caused. And but now it's you know that's, that 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 conversation started very soon after. There was a lot of anger about that, and and I think rightfully so, right? Like, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of this. This is one that just it. it it bothers me a lot. And you see this a lot when it comes to like sexual assault survivors and they go, well, why didn't you say something then if you were that upset? And it's like, because well, you don't want to get fired. You don't want to get fired. Dumb, dumb. Like he's, <clears throat> he was 23, 24 years old at the time. What was he going to do? And he's signed on for two more movies. Maybe he held out some hope that oh, my character could go here or there. I'm sure he had conversations and thoughts of where it might go. And it, yep. it just didn't. And I don't remember I think it was it was the lead up to the last Jedi or before they were filming it, and there was an Instagram picture of him, and he was doing like pull ups, and his mm-hmm. back was just ripped like he was getting huge, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, like what is Finn up to in the last Jedi? And he was like, oh Finn's not playing around, and then it turns out that in the last Jedi he kind of only plays around. <laughs> he's he's in a yeah. casino. <clears throat> Yep. And he plays T-ball with yep. Phasma's head at the end, which, <laughs> to be fair, is about the only real action he gets. So, I don't know Absolutely. if they had him preparing for something that they, they told him, oh, Finn's, Finn's super active in this movie. 
you need to look good. You need to feel like get physical. And it led him down a path of thinking that big things were happening. And then it didn't. Yeah. So yep. I understand that, that, you know, he was probably, probably felt misled in some ways. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a problem too. Yep. That's- and I think he knew at the time that other people were misled. And that was maybe even more important because he understands Mm -hmm. that he is the first time that people, you know, like me, quote unquote, people of color, young black boys, you know, little kids are seeing this character and they're thinking, you know, that's who I'm going to be for Halloween. That's who I'm going to cosplay if they're older, you know. And I think he knew even then that that was going to damage them. Because it was going to, they were going to realize that once again, he was just here to token. We put him on the poster so we could look like we're really diverse. Mm. And then he's not the guy. Now, I want to be clear. I do not think that Disney was trying to do what he's talking about. I think that this entire situation is 99.9% pure, plain and simple ignorance. A, yeah, of a which big, we are all guilty. A, it was a, <laughs> a, a big, yeah, like I totally agree. There's no, uh, what's, I, I can't find the word. I'm sure it starts with an M, but I'm losing the word I'm trying to think of. There was no malicious. Yeah, there was no maliciousness intended from anybody's part. It's just yep. a big blinking blind spot that. And Disney, I think if you listen to what he said, he shows that too. Yeah. Like, he knows I, it's I not malicious. Yeah. Like he's just, he's saying, hey, there was a, there's a big gap here in in the way mm-hmm. movies are made, and I want to talk about that, and I want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And I, right, if you boiled it down, his his whole point into one sentence, I think it could be that, and you know, yep, that that in itself is a objectively good statement to make. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I, I don't know why people got so up in arms about what what John said. Maybe it's it's the way he delivered it. You know, with 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 some expletives, because you know how people get right. You're in Star Wars, yeah. John. Be humble, which is again yeah. something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just—that's something. Yeah, don't, you just, don't get me started on that one. Oh, <laughs> like, like how condescending. Well, the, right? pro- the, the problem yeah. is that he said it right. That's yep. the problem. It's yeah. fine to think it, and it's fine for us all to know. Mm-hmm. But he said it. But he which... said it, and that forced everybody have to have to face it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And anybody in the room want to raise their hand if they like being pointed out when they screw up? I'll wait. <laughs> oh, nobody? Okay. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I'm <laughs> just calling it like I see it. <laughs> Awkward laughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because nobody wants to be called out for screwing up. Nobody wants that. And he called him out. And he didn't pull any punches. Um, and I think that a lot of the anger you know, comes from the very clear misunderstanding that when you're asking for diversity, it means, okay, now everybody has to be black or everybody has to be, you know, pick your, you know, group. And that's not what diversity is. That's not what they're talking about. It's not what he's talking about. It's not what we talk about on Sisters of Sabres. We're not talking about everybody has to be black. (laughs) It's more, give us a real representation. You know, look at Finn as a character. I fell in love with Finn in The Force Awakens. He's so, I mean, he's just amazing as a character. Mm-hmm. 
brushed aside, but um, an amazing character. I had hoped that they were going to do better with him going forward, and they didn't. But I think that a lot of the anger and the vitriol just comes from a real lack of understanding about what diversity actually means to different groups. Because I think, and I and I can see where it comes across that way, that, you know, it's, oh, okay, now everybody has to be black, <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, it's not about quotas. No, it's not. And, 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 and that's part of the problem too, because like, let's look at today. I mean, you know, this is going to be out a little bit later, but today the big thing on Twitter is the Oscars thing where you can't get nominated for best picture. If you don't meet some sort of diversity, you know, line or whatever the case may be. And it's just like, I can understand how people hear that and go, so you're telling me that if my movie just happens to not meet the diversity quota, but is a hundred times better than all of the other movies that are nominated for best picture, I can't be nominated. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at it from that point of view, well, it does sound pretty horrifying, doesn't it? If you're not able to look at it from another point of view, and that's, you know, Obi-Wan taught us, right? It's from a certain point of view. A certain point of view is exactly what this is. People are listening to him from their own point of view. They're not listening to what he's actually saying. They're judging it based on what they see. And they see, you got to be in Star Wars, man. I'd give my right arm to be in Star Wars. Yeah, You know, I'd sell my children to be in Star Wars. You should be grateful that you had the opportunity to be in Star Wars. But when people say things like that to him, I know... I don't, I can't speak for John, but I can tell you how I would feel. I would feel like you were saying, so sit down, boy, and we'll let you know when we need you to do something. You're lucky we put you on camera to begin with. And again, I don't think that's what Disney thinks. But when you say you should be humble, you should be grateful. I'm sorry, but that's how it comes across. And it's horrifying. It's, it's insulting and, and patronizing horrifyingly insulting and patronizing yeah well and to your point about about the the oscars Mm -hmm. um i mean that's sort of that's sort of the whole problem is that that's Mm -hmm. that is the attitude and that's even among you know the star wars community that's sort of seen as the solution when it's it's sort of a symptom because Mm -hmm. the problem with having a quota um, is that <laughs> all you're doing, and this is exactly what, what Boyega is talking about, is, mm-hmm. okay, you have to include black people in your white people stories. Tokenism. And that's what happens, exactly. Instead of black stories from black storytellers. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the diversity that's yep. going to, you know, allow people to feel included and mm-hmm. and feel... Like valued. they're a part, yeah, valued, yeah. and and you know, and and that's the problem is, is John Boyega was included in the white girl story. Mm-hmm. In the end, that's mm-hmm. what happened. And when you consider, like you said, in the Force Awakens, how much potential was there for his character? And it's just, it's just gone because well, where does the focus have to go? Yep. And again, you know, you can love Ray and you can love Daisy and you can Absolutely. love all those things. They're all great. Mm-hmm. But it's still not right that the the black character only existed to serve those white characters. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it's, and again, it's, it's something that I don't necessarily know that I would see if I were Mm -hmm. white and it's not because you guys are all stupid. No, it's just, (laughs) I don't see it from, you know, I said this, I said this when, when I was talking with the, with the ladies on the pod, I said, listen, I'm not going to write a story about a six foot three white man. Mm-hmm. From his point of view, you know why? Because I'm not a six foot three <laughs> white man. So I'm not going to write the story from that point of view. And I would never try to tell six foot three white man that I know what it's like to be a six foot three white man because I don't. And that I think is one of the biggest things that we're not, that's not translating when we're having these conversations. And like you said, Kyle, it's about listening and people are talking. And I don't think people are hearing what is being said because, again, they just don't have the the experience, the knowledge um, to, to to understand what's actually being said as opposed to what you think is being said, if that makes any kind of sense. And again, it's from a certain point of view because, again, here's a really simple, a really, really simple one, but I'll give it to you because this is a great way to explain it. John Boyega was not pleased with the way that his hair looked in the movies and the way he had to wear his hair. Okay. Now that sounds like an utterly ridiculous complaint. It does. It sounds just completely ridiculous unless you're black and you understand that for black people, all black people, men, women, age, notwithstanding, we're like Samson, yo. I was gonna like say Samson. it's, it's horrifyingly important. It's so important to who you are and how you feel. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's such a bigger issue than a haircut, right? John Boyega's on set. He doesn't have somebody who knows how to deal with his hair doing his hair and makeup. And the same goes for, and it's happened in multiple movies. And we've heard complaints about it from actors before. And again, it seems like a simple, it's hair. Like who cares? Um, Those of us who, you know, who understand, we understand just how huge a deal that is. It's, it's massive. And it shows how Hollywood doesn't take the needs of a different kind of person seriously. Right. I mean, You've got a, a, a changing thing in the men's bathroom and the women's bathroom if people have babies, but you can't bring on a, a, a hairdresser who knows what to do with this because this isn't the same thing as what Daisy Ridley has on her head. Yeah, it's it sounds like a carryover. <clears throat> it sounds well, so small, but it's no. Huge. It, well, I, I see. Your, I definitely see your point, and it, but it sounds like another branch of the tree where Star Wars has done this in the past. Where, yep, in a New Hope, where Carrie Fisher wasn't allowed to wear a bra because well there's no yep we can't see the straps it, it, it takes it takes you out of it carrie so no yep. and mm-hmm. it just seemed like star wars is its own thing everybody so if you, you your hair yep. your bras you're just gonna have to learn to deal with it because you're in a different galaxy now and yep i don't think that flies like obviously that doesn't yep. fly i mean john said so it's like, we're transcending different places now and it's there's got to be a greater sensitivity towards, towards issues like that. Mm -hmm. And, and not only sensitivity, but, you know, educate yourselves. It's out there, you know, I mean, anything you want to know, you can find out if you really want to know, you can find out. And it would take you three or four seconds to find something online that would explain to you just how big a deal, something as simple as one's hair is when you're dealing with 
certain groups of people. And it's, you know, certainly not just black people. Ask a Polynesian person. You know, you guys have seen the guys on the NFL, you know, in the NFL on Sundays, Troy Palomalu with that, all that hanging out the back, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I, I mean, anybody who knows anything about somebody from Samoa could tell you that is not just because he thinks it looks cool. That is a personal, spiritual thing for those people. It's no different for Black people. It's a personal, spiritual thing. And so when you, oh, it's just hair, and it, this goes for any topic, you're discounting something that is important just because it's not important. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's yeah. well said. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've heard... Uh, that before you know think like what you've been saying about about hair mm -hmm. <laughs> it seems such as it seems no, silly to even no, say it but it's true <laughs> no but it's it's something that it's so it's so um not my situation like sure like i went four months without a haircut and mm -hmm. i looked like a mess and i was like well okay you know yep. and it's like but then uh, the other day I see John Boyega on Twitter or mm -hmm. on Instagram and posting photos and holding up the woman who did his hair for that GQ photo shoot. And mm -hmm. like he was like she was his hero. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't like I don't even know the name of the guy that did my hair last week. Like, I, you know, I have no, you know, it, I was in and out in like 15 minutes threw twenty dollars sure. at him and was gone, right? <laughs> it's like, right. Well, you know, it, it, it's it's a different experience, but it that's the thing is is if you if you're observe if you we're watching celebrities all the time, mm -hmm. particularly these actors that are in Star Wars or or in franchises that we care about, you know, and it, if you're observant of the diversity. Uh, mm -hmm. it, 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 you, you can learn. That's the thing. It's, it's, you can be observant and learn that way. It doesn't take, yep. you know, it doesn't even take talking to somebody. It's just, mm -hmm. if you observe things like, like that post on Instagram, it's yep. like, okay, there's something going on here. That's different from my experience because I would never make this post. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. You would never make that post. And I can tell you right now, um, you know, to the men and women listening in the audience, you know, how many of you spend 18 hours doing your hair? Raise your hand. I do. It takes me 18 hours to put these braids in. You imagine that probably means something to me if I'm going to stand there for 18 hours. It's important. And that reality in itself, I think, is is just something that is missed. And it's again, it's not by any fault. It's just the reality that you just you're if you're not aware of it, you wouldn't get that. I would totally post my hairdresser if I had one. I'm lucky enough that I am my hairdresser, <laughs> but that's why it takes 18 hours. But again, it, it, it that's a perfect example. You would never post the person who cut your hair. Mm hmm. For him, it's a huge deal, not just because she did his, did his hair and he liked what she did. It was the fact that he had somebody who knew how mm -hmm. to do his hair, because I can tell you right now, I can't go to just super cuts, right? Yeah. I mean, 
aside from the braids. I couldn't just go to supercuts to have my hair cut because the likelihood that somebody who has a cosmetology license has ever touched hair like mine is pretty slim. And that is terrifying. These people are professional beauticians. Yeah. And yet when they're on set, they can't help, you know, Ray Fisher or John Boyega or, you know, pick the person. And again, it seems really silly to talk about hair that much, but it's such a cultural touchstone. And that is part of the unawareness that we tend to have about different cultures. And, and we all do it, mind you. Everybody does it. It happens. And it's why we have to listen. It's why we have to, like you said, pay attention to an Instagram post where a man is saying, look at the person who did my hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to be a brain, you know, a brain surgeon to figure out that it must be important. And you don't ever see it from Henry Cavill. No. <laughs> right? You know? I mean, and I mean, I love Henry, but you you know what I'm saying? He's not going to make that Instagram post. Nope. You know? No, I, I think going back to, to one of the earlier points that you made, Raven, mm-hmm. is is I think most people probably think of themselves as good, decent people. And I'm not racist. Sure. And, and so, like, They'll say, like, I don't care about uh, what what color or race this person is. I just want it to be good. Mm-hmm. So if you want it to be, yep. like, blah, 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 insert all the people. I don't care. Make it good. But that still comes from a place of being or having been catered to your entire life. And so. Well, it's. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, do you know what nationality you are? Or, or do you have a nationality that you're really proud of? You wear a little, you know, flag pin or you super celebrate a particular holiday. You know, I'm Irish, you know, it's a big part of my, my identity. Well, what if I was talking to you and I'm like, yeah, I'm Irish. And you were like, well, I don't care that you're Irish. Yeah. You know, it is just like, okay, well, I'll just take my little shamrock butt over here. <laughs> when, when someone says to you, I don't see color. Okay, so basically you're trying to look at me in a way that makes you more comfortable by ignoring who I am. And I grew up in a time when they told us to say that to people. They said, just tell people you don't see color, that you only care about the person. The color a person is, is part of who they are. And to deny it and to pretend like it doesn't exist, whilst the the, the goal is good, it actually is a way of you saying, I'm just going to ignore the parts of you that make me uncomfortable. Okay. I'm going to pretend you're like me. Cause then it makes it easier for me to treat you. Right. Dang. And when you think of it from that point of view, it's suddenly it's like, Oh God, that's terrible. But again, like I said, that's part of why we have to have these conversations in school. I was taught to say, I don't see color. I just see you as Kyle. I just see you as Nathan. I don't care what color you are. You're just people to me. But what you're doing, not you, but what anyone when they're saying that is doing is risking the fact that they're telling the person they're talking to, I'm just going to pretend you're like me and then I'll be able to treat you like a human being. Yeah. It's like, let, let's just dumb this down for everybody so that we don't, mm-hmm. we, we don't have to think. We don't have to be, yep. we, don't, we don't have to care about each other on any other level other than let's just get along in the most basic way. Yep. Which we should be able to do anyway, by the way. Certainly not saying that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should I said I mean, should? I mean, th- like we're, I mean, we're getting we're getting a lot of a lot of mileage out of this this 
hair example, but I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, it works. Like you were saying, like, like I, I can never understand uh, how important the relationship between, like, like a, a, a black person like John Boyega and his hairdresser. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I can never understand how important that relationship is, and sure. and that's the thing is that people of different uh, backgrounds and different colors and different experiences that uh, extreme mm-hmm. are never going to relate on every point. True, right? That's the thing. So so to say well, I don't see color is well, I don't see any of the differences. That mm-hmm. makes, like, like, I mean, it, it's it's really frustrating. I can only imagine how frustrating it is for you. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but it, it, it's that, and that's that's the irony of it is that like I don't have to live it, right? But it's that right. frustrating, and for and me. I don't and I don't want you to. I'm really glad that you don't. <laughs> no, no, but it, it, I I can't I can't imagine how frustrating. Just like people will being willfully ignorant about it. Mm-hmm. Like there mm-hmm. are things that I will never understand. Right, but that doesn't mean that's no excuse for not trying to. <laughs> right, or, or at least or being at least aware. Yeah, yeah, being aware of it exactly because again, I don't think it's malicious ninety nine point nine percent of the time. But all it takes is for somebody to point it out to you in the way that it comes across. For mm-hmm. instance, you're so articulate. Are you implying that black people aren't supposed to be articulate? Because honestly, that's kind of what it sounds like you're saying. You're so pretty for a black girl because we're not supposed to be. Because that's kind of what it sounds like you're saying. Those are things that any black person on the planet will tell you they've heard. And there's no way that most of the people who say it understand that that's how it comes across on this side. You're assuming that being articulate makes me somehow better or special. It's like, no, pretty much most of us can talk, actually. It's amazing. (laughs) We can read too, you know. Yeah, and it, but you know, it's the same as me going in and telling my mechanic, "Listen, this is what I think is wrong with the car. I don't know how to do anything other than put gas in that thing." Okay, I'm not going to tell him what I think is wrong with the car. I'm going to let him tell me because I know nothing about how it works. And that is, it, it's my job to say to him, "Okay, so what exactly does the catalytic converter do?" If I really want to know, I need to ask. I can't just assume that i'm gonna you know suddenly know or i can just trust him not to screw it up but i got nothing to say about that (laughs) (laughs) but i have car issues but it is it is it's really a situation of we have to listen we have to talk we have to have these conversations so that we can start to see from each other's point of view because i know it goes around the other way too And that's part of these discussions, because when you're done with it, you walk away and you go, I don't know that I understand, but I have a better idea of why this is important, why this makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. And again, it there's, you know, there's a lot of everyday stuff that goes on that's just, and again, if it's not happening to you, chances are you'll never notice it. 
And therefore, when it comes, gets brought up, it seems like, well, you're just, why didn't you say anything about this before? Because it's the 700th time it happened. Okay. And this time was just one time too many. That's why I'm going to say it. You know what I mean? And that is what we're coming up against. I think now it's not just the uh, not knowing, but it's the not realizing that you don't know and not realizing that if you did know, maybe it would seem more real to you. If that makes sense. I sound really horribly condescending. I apologize. (laughs) No, no, it's, it's, I I think this is, like you said, this is the reason we have these conversations. It's to shine a light on this thing. And Hey guys, we've all got blind spots. And if we want to be part of the solution, it's to recognize those blind spots and acknowledge them and do what you can to understand why it's there in the first place and how you can be rid of it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, using my little platform here on this podcast, (laughs) I, you feel compelled to say, at least I'm going to have the conversation. At the mm-hmm. very least, it's the bare minimum <laughs> that yes. I can do. So, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. We, I we, mean, none none of us are well served by being told that that we know something that we don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or 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 accepting that we don't know, and yet trying to tell other people how to do it. Yeah, you know that doesn't help us either. Or just going back to that base of well, just treat everybody nicely, and we'll all be fine. Okay, that, mm-hmm. that that serves a certain purpose, but it doesn't get to the root of the sure. issue, which yeah. is... I And I think that's what most people do, though. I think most people do try to treat people decently. But we have a society that doesn't treat people decently. It doesn't treat people equally. Look mm-hmm. at how people reacted when Finn was... When John was cast. Look at the just... The... Oh, my God! That came out when he like you know and i'm sitting here thinking aren't you guys all the guys who are so in love with lando calrissian (laughs) what precisely is the difference and why is this a problem oh it's because he's holding the lightsaber it's because you think he's going to be the lead and heaven forbid and there's and there's that immediate visceral reaction of why can't i be a jedi why can't John be a Jedi? What makes him different? Why is it a problem? It was easy know. easy to look at Lando back in the day, and I wasn't there. I wasn't old enough. But, okay, he he's the suave trope, and he's going to be the sidekick. Yep. We're all going to love him, but I'm he, he's not going to And he threaten. got the same kind of hate. Yep. I'm, I, I guess I imagine he probably did. Um, he did. Did he, like has he gone on record with that? I haven't. I've it, yes. It, well, there's there's. I mean, you can see the the stuff from the magazines back then when people would write in, and it was it was easily as bad as what John has dealt with. Imagine easily. Imagine being slimy enough to go at Billy D like that. Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, I love John. I do, but we don't really know it. Know who John is, you know, before you know the Force Awakens. Billy D. Williams, by the time he was in Empire Strikes Back, was already Billy D. Williams. Like he was like 50, everybody, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, everybody yeah, he knew like who this guy was. Old. He was the Colt forty five guy. He was in Mahogany. He was, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a, he's an icon, you know, black or white, literally. And he got that same kind of just horrifying behavior over what. 
I mean, seriously, who's Billy D. Williams going to bother except for the men who are married to the women he's hitting on? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> who's Billy D. Williams going to bother? Well, and that was it. Like, so getting mad at Billy D. for no, but for no reason. But you also know that mm-hmm. he's not going to threaten the the nope. authority or the power position of the Han or the Luke. You're safe, mm-hmm. John. Boom! He pops. He's the first guy we see in the teaser. He's got the lightsaber. Well, what do you mean he's gonna be a, the the black lead? I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I, I, Why is? Obvi- are you afraid you won't be able to identify with him? <laughs> are you afraid it's welcome not to the for club, you, baby? Yeah. Wait. Welcome <laughs> to the club. Cause you know, I was. I grew up in the '80s, man. There were no people in movies that looked like me. I mean, thank God for Halle Berry, but she didn't come around until I was like in my 20s. And by then it was just, (laughs) it didn't matter as much. Love you, Halle. But, you know. (laughs) She does listen, by the way. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Love her. Anyways, um, but but, but realistically, if if that's, I mean, because you said it. If the if the lead isn't somebody you can identify with, it's not for you. Imagine how we feel it's never been for us. You know, where's, where's, where's the me on friends, you know, where's the me on Seinfeld? Where's the me? I mean, I can go down the list and it's not that I feel like, Oh, Jerry hates black people. That's why there were no, I don't think that at all, but that's, that's gotta be brought up. It's like, if you have trouble identifying with Finn, Imagine how much trouble John Boyega has identifying with David Schwimmer. <laughs> I can't identify with David you Schwimmer. You follow me? But you know, right. I, know I mean, exactly I didn't what watch you mean. Friends because I don't identify with any of those people and it has nothing to do with the color of their skin. But, you know, for a lot of people, that is incredibly important. For me personally, which is makes me kind of odd, it's not. It's not important to me that you look like me. I can identify with you regardless. But being somebody that's lived in the gray area her entire life and has not been accepted by white people or black people, it's easy for me to be like, I don't care if you look like me or not. No one does. You know, like I'm used to being the only one like me in the room. That doesn't bother me. I'm fine with it. But that's not the case for the majority of people, especially not young people, because we all do it when we're young. We gravitate toward those who are like us, who we see some sort of similarity, some sort of commonality. And imagine being one of the, you know, many millions of young black women and men, little kids and looking at a movie that you love. And there's just nobody that looks like you. There's nobody. You don't belong in this world that you love. It's one of the things that I hear so much from so many Black people who love Star Wars. They love Star Wars. They love this galaxy. They love the worlds, the people. But where are we? And how come we're not included? And, you and, know? and often and, when you are, it's as the accessory too. Yeah, somebody to help, you know, to to mammy you along to make sure you get to where you need to get to, you know, and we haven't done that job for some time now, and we'd like to stop doing it in movies, thanks. Well, you guys <laughs> talked about it on, on uh, the most, the latest episode of Sisters with Sabres in the High Republic. We're talking about Keith Trennis, who is... Yes, the, you know... That was a win. <laughs> that, that, it's you know, a description that when we first started talking about High Republic, again, blind spot, didn't really pick mm-hmm. up on it. 
but the sassy You're- little like black kid who looks up mm. to the white person it's like oh man they did it again <laughs> yep they did yep. do it didn't and they? why would you notice right yeah they did and then you know two weeks later things changed and now you see her and she looks so much better so much more real and it's all we wanted it's a small step but it gets there. Yeah, because the concept art. The, so the problem, the thing you're referring to is the concept art mm-hmm. of Keith Trennis that she looked yes. pale and ashen and just not like someone, like a black person should look. It was just like a right. like poorly conceived concept art or not thoroughly vetted concept art, and not run across any black person's desk concept art. There you go. And so that the complaints got to the right people, and lo and behold. New concept art, and it looks a hundred times better. Yeah, Hmm. and she still looks like the same character. They haven't changed the character description, which I know is also part of the issue, but one step at a time. You can't, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, We're we're just thrilled to pieces to see this change, no matter what was the reasoning for it. It doesn't matter. They made the change. She looks so much better now than she did before. And now it's like, yeah, I can see myself there. That's me. I could cosplay that. And I know it sounds so silly, but it is, in fact, incredibly important, especially for little kids. For sure. And especially with Halloween around the corner, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's the, it yeah. is that time. And, and Although I dress up like Lois Lane every year, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I literally do. I, so there's another comment from John, which kind of plays nicely into what we've been talking about the last few minutes in that he said, I'm the only cast member who had their own unique experience of that franchise based on their race. It makes you angry yep. with a process like that because you realize I got given this opportunity, but I'm in an industry that wasn't even ready for me. Nobody else in the cast had people saying they were going to boycott the movie because they were in it. Nobody else had the uproar and death threats sent to their Instagram DMs and social media saying black this and black that and you shouldn't be a stormtrooper. Nobody else had that experience. But yet people are surprised I'm this way. That's my frustration. Mm -hmm. And it's a perfectly legitimate frustration. Um, I mean, unfortunately, racism in itself, especially the kind that's, you know, the purposeful type is, is so hard to understand it. You know, to me, it just, I mean, I get it, but I don't, I don't get it at all. And he's absolutely right. That's an experience that no one else on that, on that movie had to deal with. And I mean, certainly Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran certainly dealt with it, you know, when she came along. So, and I don't think that there's terribly much difference between what they went through in that regard, but he's right. I mean, that didn't happen to, and yes, there was hate thrown at Adam and hate thrown at Daisy by certain people for whatever reason, But you know it was nothing even remotely close to what John dealt with. And, I mean, death threats are a pretty big deal regardless of whether or not they're serious. It's a terrible, terrible thing to live through, to have people say, you should die or I'm going to kill you because you're different. And in my franchise. (laughs) Yeah, and in my franchise. It's like, oh, Sonny, it doesn't belong to you. And you might want to look and see who the guy who (laughs) created it is married to. Just saying. Yeah. Because she looks a lot more like my family than she does like yours. Hi, Melody. She listens too. <laughs> Hi, Melody. Hi, Queen. <clears throat> yeah. But I mean, well, it's, it's, well, and, it's legitimate. Oh, no, you're good. I'm just griping. Well, it's it's also unfortunate that, you know, and I mean, this is sort of like, 
I don't know. But it's like he had to go through it alone <laughs> because he, he was did. the only black cast member in, yep. you know, two of those movies. Mm-hmm. Right. Like at yep. least like in, in, in a lead like that. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah. OK, well, you wouldn't wish that on, an, on another actor or, or several other actors. But at the same time, it's like he was easy to single out because yes. he was the only one. <laughs> yes right? and 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 it's and it's terrible to have a target on your back like that yeah and i think what and he what, did what trolls do is they kind of like it when the person hits back a little oh yes and john well, that's the whole point and john hits back and, yes and i think that to his credit i mean i would want to too mm-hmm. right I, and and that he does i think makes these people want to fight more because then they play victim yep. that the celebrity picked on me like they're, they're yeah. the biggest babies going, but that's, that's, that's the game they play. <laughs> well, it's, 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 you can dish it out, but you can't take it. Sure. Yeah. The biggest, biggest babies alive. <laughs> yeah. But like, but, and, and, and it's hard. It's hard. And that quote is, is so important, but like, cause like we said, like nobody else on that cast had to go through that. And, and nope. you know, what, what must it be like as, as a black person who's, making his way into this franchise sort of breaking new ground as a potential lead and you wake up and you check your twitter dms and it's loaded with hate mail and death threats mm-hmm. and and just mean-spiritedness oh god okay let me go to instagram same thing yep. everywhere you go you're just being drilled with it and who do you have to talk to professionally like i don't mean like a therapist or anything i mean like mm-hmm. on set within the powers of disney and lucasfilm where could he go and be like, guys, can you help me out? Like yep. this is, and and does he want to? That's the bigger question, right? Does, does he, he feel want safe? To? Does he feel comfortable enough to do that, or they'll say, hey, you know what, John, maybe this maybe this project's too much for you. Let's, you know, we'll shuffle you. Yeah, off or or else. or you should just go sit down and be humble because we put you in the movie. <sighs> you should be grateful. You know, I mean, and and as I, you know, I I know I sound like I'm repeating myself, but. Just try it one day. Just go through your life. And every single time somebody complains to you about something in your mind, just imagine yourself saying to them, oh, just be grateful. You know? <laughs> okay. It, it, it won't take long for you to realize just how horrifying that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> or- and again, when you're being picked on for something, you know, that sucks, right? I mean, no, none of us want to be picked on for anything. Nope. It's incredibly hard when you're being picked on for something that you cannot hide, you cannot change, you cannot run away from. This is, you know, this is a label on my forehead for the rest of my life. There's nothing I can do to remove it. It will always be there and there are going to always be people that that's the only thing they're going to see. John, you know, John and anybody else is the same way. And it's the same way for somebody who has, you know, a, a physical difference or you know, pick your poison. It could be anything. But when it's something that you can't, you know what I mean? It's it's not like you can conform, right? You can't conform to be more like they want you to be because you can't do, he's, he can't be white. He just can't, you know? Many people have tried. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we're we're so we we're still sort of embroiled in these like culture wars among fandom, and there's like these divides, um, mm-hmm. and so uh, prominently we have like the people who love the Last Jedi and think it can do no wrong, and the people, mm-hmm. you know, and then the people who think it was highly problematic, and yep, like 
when you get to the story part of the movie, like Ryan Johnson brought in, he was brought in <clears throat> and in his mind, it was like the most poignant story to him was to sort of focus in the movie on Ray and Kylo and Luke and that sort of thing. That's the core of the movie. But it the, mm-hmm. the cost was the sidelining of Finn and Poe. Yep. And even though like we can say what we want about Finn's characterization and the growth that he does get in that movie about finally coming to and realizing, oh, there's there's more to fight for here and the horrors of capitalism, colonialism and all that stuff. Like that all kind of happens to Finn in that movie, but it happens very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's and it's with Kelly Marie Tran at, at, his, at his side. But yeah, again, like we, I, none of us think Ryan is a bad person or that he brought mm-hmm. ill intentions to the project. But Lucasfilm shouldn't they have been wise to this by this point to have somebody around to say this is kind of a bad look? Like, sh- I think if they had more people in the writing room and every other room that were different. I'm sure someone would have said something, you know, but how many people are in the room? And if it's one person, do they feel good about standing up and saying something or would they prefer to wait until there's four other people to support them? Yeah. Or do they, yeah. Do they get labeled as a troublemaker and okay. Well, Well, yeah. Yeah. There's the door. (laughs) Get somebody else in who's going to just be easier on, on this. Yeah. Somebody who's going to be grateful. Yeah. And, 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 (laughs) oh God. (laughs) I'm just saying it works every time. It it does. And and but and not for nothing, but in the article this this GQ piece, John calls mm-hmm. out the sidelining of Rose and you know that falls at the yes. feet of of JJ Abrams and people pick what they want to hear and then they run it towards the person that they have an axe to grind against. And so people thought that this piece was a slam against Ryan Johnson, but he's John was shining a light against on, on the whole operation. All Absolutely. Of it. He never called anyone out in particular. He mentioned names, but he wasn't calling those people out. He was using them as examples. Yeah. I mean, he, I don't think he's mad at anybody per se, because again, nobody, nope. nobody was trying to be hurtful to anyone. I think JJ's a good nope. person. I think Ryan Johnson's a good person. Probably in both cases, they're probably very, very nice guys. Mm-hmm. I just think he, he, John knows that things could have and should have been different. And yes. I think that is all he was saying here. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's exactly what he was saying. And it, but it, it still grinds my gears to see fans sort of picking the statements that they like and saying, "Well, uh, see, he doesn't like Ryan Johnson," or "Haha, see, he he was trashing Rise of Skywalker." You're missing the point, and you're making things worse. Like that's, yep, you're wasting his words by not hearing what he's saying. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. anger at somebody. We're not trying to burn these movies to the ground. We're trying to. Nope understand how things kind of crumbled for John and for Kelly Marie Tran and maybe Oscar Isaac feels the same way, but as well, he should when, you know, John talked off the, off the top where Daisy got all the nuance. Adam got all the nuance. Nobody else did. No. And, and I mean, look, look at what they did. I mean, okay. John called out his stuff. Great. What about the Latino guy that they turned into a drug dealer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that doesn't fall right along. And I mean, legitimately, these are the kinds of things. And did they do that because? He... No. 
That's not the point. Somebody in the room has got to go, hold on a second. Maybe if we're going to make somebody a drug dealer, we should try making it the white girl this time instead of the, you know what I mean? But it doesn't even occur to them that that furthers that stereotype that, you know, everybody in X group is like this, which we all know isn't true. We all know that that just simply is not true. But humans are, in fact, tribal. We are, and we behave that way. And when you continually put the same group in the same box, eventually everybody starts to think that all of them belong in that box. And that furthers it when you're just completely tone deaf about the fact that Oscar Isaac, the last thing you should do to his backstory is turn him into a drug dealer. It sends a terrible message. Yeah. Or a drug smuggler, but same difference. <clears throat> well, and, and the thing is, like, like I mean, it, it's no secret that these movies were chaotic, absolutely chaotic in the making. Well, they should and, have never had multiple directors. Well, for whatever reason, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they they are very they were very chaotic. I mean, look at look at what came out to the uh, last night about uh, Ray's heritage, <laughs> like <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. she was all over the place for mm-hmm. you know god knows how long uh right till the end by the sounds of it um and you know that's that's just indicative of of how these movies were an absolute scramble to make um now apparently the last jedi was fairly smooth but that's sort of besides the point. It's because it's sandwiched between these other two chaotic things. So it's by its nature chaotic. <laughs> right. But, you know, in that chaos, if you have primarily white people making decisions when they're in chaos and they just need something to hold on to, they're going to hold on to the white girl, mm-hmm. you know, and the white villain. You know, that's what they're right. going to reach to because that's the most immediate comfortable thing for them to latch on to and say okay well this this has proven successful and okay we're going with this and when you have to make a quick decision on the fly that's what they're going to go to but Mm -hmm. if you have more black voices more voices of people of color in the room Mm -hmm. making those decisions that's not going to be the first thing that they reach for no when they have to make a quick decision like that mm-hmm. uh, and all to your point, you know, being the one person in the room in that storm, one voice probably isn't even going to be heard, let alone, you know, listened to <laughs> or given attention. So and there's nothing worse than being smacked down when you speak up and yeah. Well, and it, that can be absolutely demoralizing and you may never speak up again. So exactly. then if, if, that, if that's the case, then who else is going to be the one to speak up <laughs> if you're the only voice in the room and you're not going to speak up anymore because yep. it's proven disastrous for you, you know, and that's why we're so, asking. And that's why they talk about diversity. We want more people in the room of every stripe. Right. So that they can call out and go, no, that's pandering. Don't do that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, anybody and, in the room to say, don't make Oscar a drug smuggler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but that's the thing. I mean, so much of the focus is given to diversity on screen. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not to say that no attention is given to diversity behind the cameras, but the focus is what well, we care about what we can see, but what you see right. is from what's behind the camera. And that's yes. where the, I think that's where the focus needs to shift before we're ever going to see the changes that need to happen on screen you know and and the same is true of the publishing you know there has been problematic stuff in the publishing and it comes down to the same thing a lot of times you've got a lot of white editors you've got a lot of white writers and well i mean if there's no one there to you know bounce those things off of or to proofread what you're doing and say Mm -hmm. Okay, well, listen, let me explain to you why this is problematic. And not only does it fix that problem, it fixes future problems. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and you might not be aware of your own bias. Most people aren't. Most yeah. people are completely unaware of their own biases. And so when someone is there to say, oh, excuse me, hold on, it's going to help. Not only is it going to help in that situation, it's going to teach that person to consider looking at it from a different point of view. And it's not to say that people, you know, never look at anything from a different point of view, but a lot of times they don't because, mm-hmm. you know, we're creatures of habit and that kind of thing. But it is, it's, I, I honestly believe it's much more important to get diversity behind the camera because that is going to lead to diversity in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, going build, to lead to it regardless. You build the foundation of the house first. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you want, you know, and your writers are going to write from their point of view. And that makes sense. There's nothing wrong with that. But just can we make the writer's room look a little bit more like the, you know, the mixed sprinkles than just the bowl of <laughs> vanilla ice cream? Yeah. I mean, come on. Everybody likes the sprinkles the best anyway. Yeah. Why? Because there's all of them. (laughs) (laughs) It goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, um, you know, learning by observing. And Mm -hmm. the same thing applies, you know, it's it shouldn't be the responsibility of one person in the room to educate the rest of the room. (laughs) Right. Never. No one should ever be put in that situation. But if you have, you know. Multiple voices, you know, a, a. a clearly reasonable number <laughs> of diverse voices in the room. Yes. White people can observe how those other people work mm-hmm. and they can learn from the, those experiences and they can say, Oh, wow. Why did they make that choice? Mm-hmm. And you know, if they want, they can go and ask, <laughs> why yeah. did you make this yeah. choice? But, but uh, it, it's a lot easier to observe something when, it's not one person by themselves sure. <laughs> whose, whose decisions are probably being overridden anyway, a lot of the times. Yep. I think we make more of differences than there actually are. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, are black people different from white people? Obviously. But you know what black people and white people both do when they go home from work? They cook dinner for their kids. They help them with their homework. They clean the house. They watch TV. They do all the same things. They are different, but like the day to day is all pretty much the same stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's no harm in learning about those other differences. You know what I mean? 
And I think that, and, and also it comes from, let's be honest, it comes from, you know, we're not supposed to point out differences. We're not supposed yeah. to notice that you're different from me or I'm different from you. And if we do notice, we're not supposed to point it out because we don't want anybody to feel, you know, it's just like, listen, okay, I'm the only one like me in the room. So you pointing out that I'm different is not like news to me. I, you know, I have eyeballs and things. So there's, there's a little bit of give and take there. There's, there's understanding that there is difference, understanding that a lot of it's the same. And if you guys just talk a little bit, you're going to learn about whatever, you know, whoever or whatever you're talking to um, or talking about. And, and, and I think that that's one of the biggest things is that we talk about the differences and the differences and the differences. But what we forget is that still mostly the same, like, there are differences. They are important, but still mostly the same. As my mother used to always say, and mom always has the greatest sayings, um, I'm pretty sure both of you put your leg, your pants on one leg at a time, just like I do. <laughs> so let's start there. It's the first thing we do every day. We get dressed, right? Put your pants on one leg at a time, like everyone else on the planet. So if we're doing that together, we can keep going and find the other things that are the same and go, you know, there's more of those than not. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem overly complicated. It's and, not. And the only people <laughs> that can make it complicated are like bean counters and, yeah, you know, uh, people that want <clears throat> to get things done quickly and, and, and fast. And going back to what we were just talking about, about how, how the production of The Last Jedi was fairly smooth. And mm -hmm. you know, when, when Ryan wrapped up and said, the movie's done, and it was what, September, October? It, and there was still two was months ready. to spare, and we all went... What a hero. He mm -hmm. and Disney probably thought the same thing. This guy's done. Holy cow. He's got mm -hmm. our look at the movie. It's right here. It's finished. And there's two months, two months ahead of schedule. Now looking looking back, saying, what could you have done with that two months? Yeah. You know, could done you done something other than dump them at Canto Bite? <laughs> something. And I say right? that as somebody who actually really likes The Last Jedi, but <laughs> I just yeah. sat through that part like, this is the part for the kids. This is the part for the kids. This is the part. Oh, it's over? Okay. Well, I, I mean, I think it's a really important part of the story. And, it is. But it, it's just unfortunate that, well, your two main characters of color are the ones that had to serve serve the plot point that is meant to ultimately be pointless. The right. whole point of the can't, their, their mission is that it ends in failure. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. it's the why it's there and it, it's yeah. great it's a great idea for a story point but it's unfortunate that he ryan didn't have the foresight to say oh yeah <laughs> these yeah, are the characters have impact <laughs> yeah these are the characters that are doomed to fail uh yeah. you know right and when you're when you're talking about that Again, it goes back to the the idea of, and I, I again, I focus on little kids a lot, but I just know how it affected me as a kid. You know, if this is the, you know, if you're a, a little kid, you know, who's who's of Asian descent, you're looking at R Kelly Marie Tran and going, "Oh my God, I'm in a Star Wars movie. I'm in a Star Wars." Okay, you sent me off to screw things up, aces. <laughs> And still, it's not like you can go to another character. It's like, that's the only one. Well, not only do you f screw things up, but then you're punished for it in the next movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I I'm mad about what happened with Finn. Real mad. 
not anywhere near as mad as I am at what happened to her. Yeah. Was it like 11, a minute 11 or something like that? They should have never put, they should have never even put her in the movie because putting her in the movie the way that they did was so horrifyingly disrespectful. And it was so kowtowing to the bunch of loud. I don't even have a word for those people. Um, But you know, the, the reality is, is that in this world that we're living in, there comes a point where you're going to have to take a stand and star Wars. You're going to have to start taking a stand and saying, I don't give a damn about what the haters say. We're going to put the best person for the story, the best person for the movie in this damn movie. And if you want to stay home because you don't like the way that somebody looks, then you can stay the home. There you go. Well, and it shouldn't even be controversial at this point. It's like, no, it's been proven, hasn't it been proven enough times that like black stories by black storytellers can be successful? You've got Get Out, you've got Black Panther, you've got. I'm obsessed with Lovecraft Country right now. Everybody <laughs> is. Everybody is. <laughs> like, like the, this. These stories are successful. Mm-hmm. It's like stop pretending that that make a black guy a lead make a black woman a lead of star wars it's not mm-hmm. it's not it shouldn't be controversial at this point it can be successful no matter how much noise the assholes make mm-hmm. these these things are successful you guys talk so, about lost craft it... country and and this and that and i'm still having my man crush on uh, luke cage oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I think it's just I think it's just very simple that people just need to understand that if we do things more often, you get used to it. When you were small, you couldn't walk. You got there eventually. So why why do we only try once? Why do we put Kelly Marie Tran in The Last Jedi and then do our best to keep her completely out of the Rise of Skywalker? You already stepped in it. Take the hit. You're Star Wars for crying out loud. What are yep. you worried about? I mean, uh, let's be real here. How many people are really giving up on Star Wars because they don't like the color of Finn's skin? And honestly, do we need them in the fandom? Yeah. Nobody let them go. Nope. <laughs> let them let them get the hell out because yeah. I'm here to tell you guys there is a huge crowd of people in this country who have never seen these movies and the reason they haven't is because there's nobody in these damn movies that look like them. Mm. They're they're waiting. So for every Every little butt plug you get pushed out of here with their stupidity, <laughs> you're going to get 10 other people who want to come in because they want it to look like the world that they live in. When you go to work, I mean, it's not all this. Well, most people, it's not all the same people. Certainly yeah. not where I work, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just, it, they're not worth keeping. I'm sorry. There's a, comes a point where you just got to jettison the trash, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and make it clear that Lucasfilm doesn't care for your trash opinion and they're going to. No, and they don't need it. Don't need it. Don't want it. And though they nope. may be very slowly getting there, sometimes it's a, a step forward and two steps back and then two steps forward and another step back. And it's, it feels like they're on a bit of a treadmill with just where every time you think they're maybe taking a step forward, something stupid happens and you go, oh, come on, man. Like who's calling the shots? How is this happening? How can well, Star Trek get it so right when Star Wars can't get it right at all? Yeah. It's why that, is Star Trek braver? And you know, the, the, 
and they have just as many fans who also don't get the message. <laughs> exactly. And yet they say, we don't care. Why? Because this is exactly what Gene was trying to do. Yeah. And it's I mean, time I, for Star Wars to buck up and do it. I work with a woman who's a huge Trekkie and has been for, for decades. And this summer I had to, in the same conversation, I had to explain to her what was wrong with saying all lives matter and <laughs> explain and explain to her why calling a transgender person it <laughs> is wrong. Oh, for heaven's sakes. So, it, you know, those those absolutely oblivious Trekkies do exist, but they Star do. Trek, but Star Trek still does it anyway. Yeah, and they don't care. They don't yeah. care, and they never have. Yeah. I know for me, and again, like I said, I'm weird. I'm I don't necessarily look for somebody in the in the movie to look like me or whatever. But I will tell you that I shed real honest to goodness tears the first episode of Discovery, because there she was. There she was. And not only that, but she was serving under a female captain, you know, but I mean, there she was finally somebody who looked like me, who was the person, somebody I could truly feel like I can identify with her. And I was you know, I'm 40 something years old. And it's one of the first times it's ever happened to me in my life that I sat down to watch something and went, I can identify with the main character on a hundred thousand different levels including the fact that I know that she's struggling with that hair, just like me, <laughs> you know? And, and again, you know, silly thing, huge, huge. And if I was a young girl again, it would have, it would have probably sent me in tears the first three episodes as it was. I was too busy falling in love with Ash to notice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and who knows, like the younger you are and you see something like that happen. It sounds, this might sound stupid to say, but who knows what that does for your life? You know, like, it makes a huge difference. <laughs> somebody who could inspire you in that way. And especially if mm -hmm. that person is like a focal point being the one and only, you will fixate yep. all your attention and devotion into that one character. Well, that's how kids are, right? I mean, your kid loves Spider-Man. Everything has to be Spider-Man mm -hmm. from the toothbrush to the cup to the, you know, that, that and and granted, you shouldn't cast your movie based on who you think is going to be the most popular. But the fact of the matter is, you're casting them in your movie; they're going to be popular. Hmm. You know, so consider that your entire audience doesn't look like Luke Skywalker. As much as we'd like to think that they do, they don't. You know, there's a huge percentage of this country that isn't. <laughs> you know, it makes and we belong too. You, you think about the, the movies that were made in the 70s, and that was a completely different era. You and I, Raven, come from sure. that era. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We are relics. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and Antiques, then, darling. Yeah, okay. We're, we're, no, we're classics. We're classics. Classics. Okay. <laughs> uh, you're the indie uh, fan. Go with relics. <laughs> I like relics, man. I like relics. And it, so it followed that the prequels kind of followed that template a little bit. But now... We're in a completely different era where things should be updated and smarter. And yet mm -hmm. it feels like, and I, I don't like to point the finger at the big faceless corporation, but it makes you wonder sure. if they sat there with their dumb focus groups and they've come to some misguided calculation that, well, 
we've got to appease this core because there that's where the money is and it's you got to feel like some bean counter somewhere and some marketing donkey has some info or they believe they have some data-driven decisions here and it i hope it's not that sterile i really hope it's not i really think it probably is because disney i mean we ask for a little bit of of progressiveness in our stories with star wars but they're owned by a a corporation that is pretty conservative risk averse Mm -hmm. they have people Mm -hmm. risk uh, you know they have their stakeholders who want certain roi and anybody any corporation in that position is going to be averse to certain risks and so there's going to be this tug of war over the soul of star wars i think coming up about what do we like i think they know what they should do i think lucasfilm knows what they should do and now it's it's going to be executing on that and getting it through the house of mouse and good god (laughs) let's let's hope that they're listening right yeah. Well, I mean, and I think they I think they need to start looking outside of their own rooms and start realizing what's going on. Because, you know, there are a lot of people today, including myself, who are trekkers because of Uhura. And if she hadn't been there, would I have watched, you know, the old Trek? Probably not. I can tell you right now, I probably wouldn't have. She Maybe. was the reason I tuned in. There you go. You know, and, and, and you have to make the step sometime. And Star Wars has been brilliant in its execution when it comes to black and other people of color in one small way. Point out to me where in the Star Wars movie anybody ever pointed out that somebody was of a different color. They never mention it about Finn. He is. They don't say anything. Harrison doesn't say anything. Ray doesn't say Nobody says anything. They just pretend like that's totally normal for him to be black and not white like they don't make a deal out of it they've done that beautifully all through the movies so just keep going with that don't chicken shit out just keep doing it just make the character black don't say anything just do it it's like it's not like they don't have other examples like you can look at black panther which grossed one point how much billion it yeah, works. a lot. <laughs> you know, it works. It, there's Star Trek is crushing it now with that. Mm-hmm. It's it yeah. works. There, you you don't need any more proof. You don't have to be nervous or scared that it's gonna fall flat on your face. Yeah, you're gonna have those donkeys who are gonna come and braying in in your face about how you're ruining Star Wars and your pan. Ugh, shut up. Get out. Go. What do you mean yeah. the donkeys, man? Hee-haw. He's just like, trying to say, you know, say <laughs> say naughty words better than me. <laughs> but no, honestly, though, has has this, and there's been a lot of dirt thrown at the sequel trilogy in the last. I mean, we can talk about just this past week, but sure. In the aftermath of Rise of Skywalker, a lot of dirt's been thrown at it. Has this particular issue, as it pertains to John Boyega, has it affected how you view the trilogy, or is it been for you, Raven? Has it been like, no, no, I saw this anyway, like. John saying it and having this discourse hasn't really affected me because I already felt that way. Uh, I think it, I think it, uh, it hasn't changed the way I feel about star Wars at all. Um, or the sequels in particular or or the sequels either. It hasn't changed the way I feel about them at all. Um, I, I, for me, it's, it's been a, to be honest with you, I think, and I, I don't, I don't think I'm alone in this. It's just one of those moments where you're like, well, it is what it is. 
It's not going to change. It's not going to change until people start listening. It's not going to change. And I'm on Twitter. They're not listening. So it's not going to change. As long as Disney is going to be more concerned about the bottom line than they are about treating people right, That's this is what we're going to have. And until they make that call, this is what we're going to have. You're going to have this kind of behavior. You know, people are generally willing to follow where you lead them. If you want to be something, then lead. Get up front and lead. You have every opportunity to do it. Star Wars is, (laughs) the stories are older than time. They're the same stories all the time. You don't need to be afraid. Be brave and get out there and do it. The guy who started it put his own money up for it. Have a little bit of cojones, man. In George's honor. Isn't it more than a little bit disappointing that we kind of, I think we kind of look to Star Wars to push the envelope and to progress things forward, not just from like visual effects standpoints, but also from this standpoint of doing right by its fan base and, and doing more to cultivate new fans. And they have, I think they've made some strides for sure, I think, but (laughs) there's still obviously a good long way to go based on the reaction to John's piece this week. And I, I, yep. I can't help but feel disappointed that other franchises have been more forward thinking than Star Wars. And it's it Yeah. And and for me it it Nathan I'll, I'll, I I want to ask you like has has this affected your th- feelings of the sequel trilogy at all because it, it has for me like I like each movie individually and I you know I think in some ways they play nicely together but with every passing month and every story that comes out it becomes more apparent to me that they these movies probably needed more time to incubate and and go through other lenses before they got spit out onto the screen and so mm-hmm. you know and and for you know characters like Finn and Rose and Poe you know to get those proper resolutions and story arcs instead of just twisting in the wind and being like well you were there participation ribbon i don't i don't think so i don't and and i haven't revisited any of the sequel movies in a while um so you know i i I, maybe i will feel differently but right now i i I don't um it's like i said you know holding two ideas i can recognize these issues but i can still enjoy the story uh while understanding that yes these could have and should have been better um or at least different, <laughs> you know. <laughs> better is subjective, but but better better from a certain perspective, you know. I think the story is great. I think the the execution could have been been better. Um, but yeah, I mean, anybody who's listened to me on these podcasts knows. How I feel about each of the the sequels, um, and I mean, I mean, that's come out over the summer, uh, including the the Boyega interview. Um, if anything, kind of just reaffirmed some of the feelings I had. Um, 
you know, I mean, Finn's Finn's arc, uh, especially in the Rise of Skywalker, is something that I had a problem with. Um, and and looking back, it's probably an extension uh, of his arc. You know, I probably have retroactive problems with his arc in the entire trilogy. <laughs> now that I understand uh, the problems with it, yeah, I, I, I'm not articulating this well but yeah i'll say that that it's probably reaffirmed some of the feelings i had uh and some of the opinions i had um especially on specific issues and story points and and character arcs and that kind of thing i will say like i find that the absolute worst part um about lucasfilm's sort of complacency is is that they constantly pat themselves on the back. <laughs> and like you said, Raven, they should be taking the lead. They like Lucasfilm should be at the forefront of this, but they carry a big and, enough stick. Yeah. Stop. I mean, stop they can sitting ab- in the back. Like you're the little guy. <laughs> if you can absorb the hit that solo got, <laughs> you can absorb, you know, some kind of, theoretical hit that you'll take by uh you know being more diverse (laughs) well and look at rogue one look at what a success rogue one was exactly exactly it's an incredibly diverse cast an incredibly diverse cast yeah and rogue one was pretty darn good by most you know from most uh you know that I've heard, not that there's not problems, there's problems with everything, but you didn't have any problem putting, you know, every single minority group you could find into Rogue One, and no one had a problem with it. Yeah. And they were right there. It wasn't like it was, you know, hidden off in the back, you know, Diego Luna's <laughs> right there. Yeah. Nobody well, seemed and- to have a problem with it at all. And to go back to to uh, how successful Star Trek has been in this, I mean, look how proud they were that there was a gay kiss in Rise of Skywalker. And where was it? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, like, and if you ask anybody in that community, they're just like, "That was the worst thing ever." If you hadn't read that interview, you probably didn't see it in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you didn't By know to way- look for it. Yeah, can somebody explain to me? Because I understand that the comics are far better with their diversity and inclusion than the movies are. Uh, With books and the comics are? With minor hiccups here and there, yeah. (laughs) I would say yes. Uh, Especially Aphra. Uh, Although I have heard some some people have issues with that, but... Well, there's uh, always going to be somebody who has an issue. (laughs) Well, I, I think the issue there is that um, they made the um, character who is chaos incarnate <laughs> the the gay character. So I think I thought you were going to say they made the black character. It's like, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in my kitchen. I... <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's where some of that's yeah. coming from. But I, I that's that seems to be. Um, those people seem to be in the minority as far as mm-hmm. I can tell. Yeah. It's, and, and there's probably some of it. That's just finally <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> yep. 
yeah yeah i think star wars has definitely been better in print but even like and that as as great as that is i think that's it kind of it, it is sort of a shame that like they feel like they can hide that where you know frankly only only real hardcore star wars fans are going to read the 100%. novels and the comics anyway and they will they will accept any diversity or anything that you want to throw at them they'll take it they'll still buy it and read it and enjoy mm-hmm. it most likely so it feels like they're hiding that in there rather than saying they are. we're gonna put this up on the screen and yep. you're all gonna have to deal with it like it just it feels like they're afraid of doing that yeah no i agree i agree and i think um you know like i said before star wars you know you guys are big enough You've got a a big enough stick. Stop being afraid of the bully on the playground who doesn't like your shirt. It's that simple. Just go, go be who you are. If they're going to leave, let them leave. It's not going to be most of us. Honestly, I think most Mm -hmm. of the Star Wars fandom couldn't care less what color any character was. They just want the character to not suck. And that, you know, that's across the board. Stop being afraid of those people who are going to leave. We don't need them anyway. I mean, legitimately, we don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, their signature character in the parks is a black woman, mm-hmm. a badass black woman. You're not afraid mm-hmm. that you're going to scare people away from the parks. You know, I mean, nicely. <laughs> why, why do you think one thing, one is going to happen and one is not, you know? It's... Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I don't understand their fear. I don't understand their fear at all. I, I do understand where the bottom line guys have a problem with it. That I can understand. I can understand where focus groups have a problem with it. I do not understand why the human beings don't see that there's a problem. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna put on my my hat. It's a cynical cap here. Like, could could there be a type of concern that like so you you bring let's say you bring in a creator and say, mm-hmm. okay, so come up with your story. And, but you're also going to, now the story, we're in a different era. So the story is now going to, you're going to sit in the room with all these other people who are going to offer advice or pick apart your story and certain characterizations. Is there a concern that some of these people, and let's be like some of these creatives, I think, some some of them might be thin, thick skinned. Others may not be. They might be. How dare you critique my my stuff? Is there a concern that creatives might feel like you're imposing other people on them, so that maybe the story isn't theirs anymore? Like, I, I'm not really. Absolutely. It's not my story. I'm. There's a, there's a you know like that ego driven thing where I I want my story to say written and directed by me. I don't want it to be like directed by me, but co-written by blah 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 right is there some of is that a concern that somewhere people are afraid of doing that because you want to have that if you want to have that singular vision you can't have all this other help in the room i hope it's i think that's possible but i don't i i I don't i don't know that I, i i mean i think it's definitely possible i would say that for sure but whether or not that happens is, you know, I think I'd have to be in the room to know one way or the other. But, yeah, I mean, let's be real here. Behind closed doors, that's totally possible. That's 100% possible. That, and that's, yeah, that's a l- little niggling fear I have is that it, it's a stupid little thing that we, like we as fans would never see. 
but it's it's you know something that somewhere along the line somebody would see as important and i know i I'll, I'll tap out because i have no idea i don't i'm not in these rooms i have never written a screenplay no I, I have no no idea how the things work in the halls of power i just i don't know but yeah i i somewhere there could be like a frail artiste who just it's going to be my way or you don't have me there's a lot of those. Um, it kind of comes with being an artiste a lot of the time. Um, so it makes them good. Um, but I think too, you know, we have to realize that the, you know, the simple ugly truth is, has anyone ever seen the focus groups? Who's, who's in the focus group, right? Who's in the focus group? Who's on the jury. <laughs> who's on the jury. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, when you talk about, you know, the unintentional bias and the systematic racism, as opposed to, you know, somebody being, you know, virulent and, you know, face forward racist, but just, you know, think about, you know, the systematic things that we, that we do, you know, there's nothing funnier than watching uh, reactions to the Mandalorian. And the one uh, when uh, grief Karga turns around with the guns, you know, and he's going to shoot everybody. And he's like, why the black guy always got to be the one that's betraying people. And you're just like, ah, ha, ha. and then you're like, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, like I say, it's, it's those kind of little things that kind of forward those stereotypes. And then again, like I said, I mean, I legitimately, if I could ask, you know, Lucasfilm, anyone, anything I'd like, can I see a picture of the focus group? I want to know who's in these groups where you're, you know, feeling things out and making decisions. Because if you're asking, you know, Star Wars fans, which ones are you getting? Because nobody asked me. I haven't been in a focus group yet. But I think that that's, that's something to think about. You know, where do the focus groups come from? You know, what, you know, how are they made up? And, and again, it's, you know, like you said, you know, who's on the jury? You know, if, if my death penalty case is coming up, I really hope there's at least one person on the jury who looks like me. But they have to work at that, too. You Lots know? of work to be done. Yeah. And I think that that's the important thing is that we have to have these conversations. We have to talk about these things. We have to consider, like you said, you know, put your cynical cap on and say, is it this? And. Okay, maybe it isn't. Maybe it is. <clears throat> if we don't look at it, we're never going to fix it. You know, that loud noise underneath your hood isn't going to go away. So pull the damn car over, open up the hood, and look and see what the problem is. <laughs> and we'll take it from there. <laughs> so, all right, let's 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 finish with this. Um, John has said, you're not going to Disney Plus me. And it mm -hmm. sounds like he's done with Star Wars. But mm -hmm. is he? Is he? Is are we going to see Finn again on? I screen? really hope we do. Like it, I really hope we do. I don't. You know, hmm, I I I, re I, I do don't too. think we will. Oh boy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I I don't think that we will, and I think it's a great loss for Star Wars because John Boyega would have been a, a an amazing amazing cheerleader for this for this franchise. Uh, I, I think forever. He could have been and, an ambassador for, for decades. An absolute ambassador and, and, and one that we need. Not that, you know, nobody else counts, but he 
has got a different kind of vibe to him and he's got a different kind of personality to him. And I've heard so many stories about how amazing he is with the fans. And you lost that. And not only did you lose it, but you 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 lost him so bad that he's not e- even willing to give you a second chance. Do I think we'll see him at Star Wars Celebration? Maybe in 20 years, but I don't think you're going to see him for a while. I think he's I think he's bitter, I think he's angry, I think he has every right to be both of those things. I think with the reaction to what he said in this article would only solidify his you know, thought process of not returning to it. Um, I think he said, you're not going to Disney plus me because he doesn't want them to give him some sort of series to try to make up for the fact that they messed up his character in the movies. And I I think it's, I I find it absolutely heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking because we don't have anybody that has that kind of verve to be a part of it, you know, right now. It is heartbreaking. I, you know, I've said many times, like I, I speak out of both sides of my mouth. Like as uh, in one breath, I say that I hope Lucasfilm never revisits any of these characters. It's <laughs> let's be done with the Skywalker era and go forward somewhere else. And the same time sure. I go, but I love Ray and I love Finn and I would love to see these characters brought back in some capacity, provided it's not attached to the Skywalker family. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I hope that I, you know, does time heal all wounds? You know, can can John have some distance from the fam- the Star Wars, Lucasfilm, Disney family? And in years, if there's, you know, management changes and enough turnover and a, a clearly different direction of the Star Wars brand, maybe he'll say, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like I think John is, is aware enough and, and smart enough to go, yeah, it's not the same thing that I had to deal with. It's a different machine now. I trust mm-hmm. this machine more than the thing that I had to deal with, you know, 10 years ago, whatever years, however into the future we go. I, I hope that he would be open enough and for his fans to say, there's more to do with Finn and we can uh, fix it this time and give, mm-hmm. give fans the the Finn that they, that they wanted all along. But what about you, Nathan? Are we going to see Finn again? I'd like to think so. I mean, it's like you said, you know, he, he is a fan. Mm-hmm. He was a fan. He is a fan. And, you know, we know that he sees the, the Twitter replies <laughs> because he responds to them. So we know that he sees the love. Right. And I don't think he I don't think he's angry at Star Wars fans. I think he no. might be angry at Star Wars and Lucasfilm. And obviously there are uh, fans that he's angry at. And has more than a right to be angry at them, but I think generally, I think I, I think John Boyega loves people. You know, mm-hmm. that's the vibe I get from him. You know, and and a lot of that I think comes from his upbringing, mm-hmm. uh, because we've seen a lot of his family over the last five years, and yeah. uh, you know, I I think I think he just loves people, and I think he loves Star Wars fans, and I think. You know, given given the time and maybe some um, personnel changeover at Lucasfilm and Disney and, you know, who knows what it might take and how long it might take. But I think I think the love would bring him back eventually if if that's something that 
Lucasfilm and Disney want to do eventually. Um, but I could see, like, I don't know. I, it's, give it, like, five years, and they do an animated series or something. Like, I think he's coming back to voice Finn. I, I, I get a feeling. I think part of the reason I think that he won't be back as much as I agree with what you just said, I think, I think he does love star Wars. I think he does generally love the fans. Um, I think he's angry about the way that things went. I don't think he's really angry at any one person or group. I think he knows that this is a widespread problem. It's not just Disney. And that, that is something that has to be called out. It's not mm-hmm. just Disney. It's every movie company. It's yep. every studio. And they all have these problems and they're longstanding problems that for so long you weren't allowed to say anything. And we're just now realizing it. And it seems like it's an avalanche. But what I what I mostly want to say is, I think that John won't be back because I think that John Boyega has far more important things to do. I think he is going to do. Not that Star Wars isn't important. Not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, certain types of people only come along every so often. I think there's every chance that John Boyega is one of those people. I th- think he could have easily changed the world with a lightsaber. I think he's actually going to with his voice. Yeah, I mean, there's that great shot of him at that pro- uh, the London protest from earlier this year, and in that you know, I, th- I think that was sort of like a not unscripted but he was sort of foisted up on stage like john can you go can you go up there and get what are you what me what okay yep and now it's like one of these indelible moments of 2020 during this the the black Lives matter movement and i think that lit a fire under his ass if it wasn't lit already Mm -hmm. but i think it sparked something in him or at least solidified something in him that he feels a, a probably a deeper purpose that he's got other work to do like you said raven there's Star Wars is great, and yeah, maybe yep. maybe he'll come back to it. Maybe he won't, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think he's going to lose a moment's sleep one way or the other. He's he's got mm. stuff to do, and he's going to do it. Yep, and he's got the he's got the ability to do it. That's that that in itself is something that a lot of people don't have. So I think that I I, I definitely think that we we are very likely to see him. You know, I think he's going to use the force in different ways than maybe we were expecting initially. But again, I agree that he, I think he'll come back eventually in some capacity. I just think it's probably going to take a little longer than we'd like. Hmm. I can only imagine how frustrating it must've been for him (laughs) to see that Lucasfilm statement. (laughs) He was probably just like, you know what? You people can just, (laughs) which statement was that? The one they released supporting him after after his speech. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess you can smell PR when you see it, right? Yep. And I mean, he's in the business. He knows how it works. He understands, you know, the limitations and and the restrictions and, and all of those other things. And, you know, what you can and can't say and how easy it is to get, a you know, a megalodon like that to do anything. Um, <clears throat> but I, I do think that you know, at that moment, he probably just, I'm sure he just really, really went in a room somewhere and just went like, you know, I'm just not even going to think about it right now. I'm just going to, you know, cause I know that's what I would have done. I'd have been like, you know what? I just, I'm good. I'm just going to go sit over here for a while. And... 
Because they could just be me. And, and then this one. Like late, oh, early, earlier this week, well, like when, when that interview came out, an hour later, oh, The Mandalorian, October 30th, yeah. everybody. And it's like, hmm. Well, yeah, does- and they didn't tell us anything. It's like, oh, yay, we have a date. Yeah, it, it was like the barest minimum thing. And mm-hmm. yet, I mean, the timing was just so suspicious. It. Oh, it's purple now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was, was the big thing. Gender, damn gender reveal. It's like, look over here, everybody. Look over here. It's no gender reveals anymore, people. No more gender reveals. Can I just make that public service announcement? No more gender reveals with anything that's incendiary. Thank you very much. <laughs> also, nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, I'm super excited that you're having a baby, and I can't wait to see the baby. And I'm not going to care what sex it is at any point, but definitely not until I have to buy a present. So. Yeah, I just want to t- say, like, because a while ago we were talking about uh, creative purity, and mm. and it's like, a- and you hear that so much where it's you try to talk about diversity. And it's I just wanted to tell the best story, and it does shouldn't matter as long as it's a good story. Blah blah. blah. It should, I don't care what who, who what color they are. Blah, blah. It's like okay. This idea of creative purity is such bullshit. <laughs> in in the sequel trilogy and both uh, anthology films, the lead female was a white brunette. <laughs> like, right. there's your creative purity, okay? That's mm-hmm. what this creative purity gets you. It's like, no, okay. If if you're you're gonna isolate yourself to come up with these stories. That's what's going to happen. You're going to get the same damn thing because all these writers and directors have the same damn experiences. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. probably all married to white brunettes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's entirely possible. <laughs> it's like, okay, no. Like, collaboration and diverse collaboration is going to literally and figuratively result in more colorful stories <laughs> absolutely absolutely because if absolutely because you're gonna have the influence of experiences and 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 people's skin colors and and different upbringings and, and everything you put it all together and you're gonna come up with a different mix every time yep and it's that's far more interesting than getting the same tropes over and over. I mean, I mean, Colin and I have, have kind of touched on this, but it's like getting away from from the hero's journey and and getting away from Joseph Campbell into other storytelling philosophies mm-hmm. and bringing those into Star Wars. It's the same kind of thing. It's like uh, I, I'm sick of the hero's journey, and I'm sick of because that's the American I mean, monomyth. I mean, yeah, I mean the hero's journey is inherently problematic for one thing, but it's it's it, it it's just I'm sick of having the same format from the same voices, all stories coming from the same place, and and that's primarily what we've gotten. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just ready for something new. I mean, I, I'm so excited about Lovecraft Country because it's horror coming from a place that I've never seen before. You right. know, it, it's taking Lovecraft. I'm a huge 
Lovecraft fan, mm-hmm. and I think that mythology is incredible. But because of the nature of who Lovecraft was and how that influenced the stories, I've never seen that take mm-hmm. on Lovecraftian mythos. And it's it's so much better because it's not the same old stuff that we've been getting for over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. It, it's a fresh take because it's coming from new voices. And that's more in it's inherently more exciting. And it, you know. But you realize that you're a special case. <laughs> Uh, okay, because, sure. And, 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 and I mean that He's I mean from that Newfoundland, with all Raven. the I, I mean that with love and affection. There's nothing wrong with Newfoundland. Um, but uh, here's the thing. Change is exactly what's got everybody's panties in a bundle right now. Yeah. And while I 100% agree with you, I would like to see us tell stories differently and tell new stories. I mean, I'm a historian, so I love the old stories, but I've heard them all. Um, I would love to see the change. But the problem is, is that change is, is, is part of the problem because humans, I know this is going to come as a shock to everybody. We're not particularly fond of change. We don't like when we don't know what's going to happen. We don't like when something doesn't look the way we're used to. I mean, that, that, and it's unfortunate because we restrict our experience by being so rigidly tied to it has to be just this way. Um, So while I 100% agree with you, I also realize that that too in itself is a whole nother bundle of problems because what's the problem with Finn, right? What's the problem Mm -hmm. with Finn? He's different. Yeah. That's the problem with him. He's different. And that in itself caused people to send death threats. So while different is definitely, you know, should be the goal. We also have to remember that, Ooh, as as a as a as a species, we have a problem with different. Yeah. Well, look what a we did. A real right? problem. <laughs> we so trained are we as Star Wars fans that Finn pops up on screen and we start talking about Finn, like not the 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 non assholes part of us who wanted to talk about Finn. Well, <laughs> is he Lando's grandkid? Is that Mace Windu's <laughs> grand? Like we're so trained in Star Wars to think certain ways that everybody's related to somebody. That wouldn't it be interesting? If you got someone else at the table who doesn't fall into these tropes and just takes the cookie cutter and just boop, 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 and like they're related and here's the heel turn and all that stuff that is ingrained in at least the Skywalker saga that we've been trained to follow and worship for 42 years. Mm -hmm. Can we do something different where we're not sitting in theaters waiting for the familial reveal or waiting for the thing that we saw in 1977 to happen again, like, you know what I mean? Like things happen in star Wars and we've been, we've seen it all before. It's way more interesting for me anyway, to look into this new era that we're about to step into, well, three years from now and, and hope that I go in there and have no damn idea of what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the tropes. are And gone. that would be nice. That would be really, really nice. But you know, again, just look at the way that people reacted. When Force Awakens came out, you had two camps. It's exactly like A New Hope. It's too different. 
Okay, well, you either want it to be different or you want it to be a new hope over again. You yeah. can't have both. It's just like people saying, I hated fan, uh, Force Awakens. There was too much fan service. Well, sweetheart, as a fan, I'd like to inform you that this movie wouldn't be being made without <laughs> fans. So you can sit your ass down and I will take my fan service quite happily. Thank you very little. So uh, again, great ideas, but we have to get people to understand those ideas. We have to get people to understand that the same is not always necessarily the best way. And a little bit of uncertainty isn't going to kill you. And it's totally fine to hang with somebody who doesn't look like you. Mm. It's fine. Nothing's going to hurt. It'll be fine. Trust me. I'm not going to braid your hair because that would hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that part of it, like we talked about, Again, this difference between Star Trek and Star Wars and how Star Trek seems to be so bold in in its progress. Um, do you think it's because like I, I think of it this sometimes that Star Wars is kind of inherently incestuous and I don't mean Luke and Leia, but <laughs> like, OK, you know, hey like, guys, it was a couple of kisses. Let's not. <laughs> they weren't. Working, okay? All right, go ahead. But. <laughs> Star Wars, and it always has been, has been sort of incestuous. You know, it, it, it's like Anakin saying in, in Revenge of the Sith, this is where the fun begins. It's like, oh, he said the line, you know, or we got mad when BB-8 was the one who said, I have a bad feeling about this. You yep. yep. <laughs> like, well, well, I didn't hear it. You know, well, and it's like we 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 get into these things where it's it's like as much as as Lucas and Filoni and those people like to talk about how Star Wars is more about being influenced by other things than influenced by itself. Star Wars has always been really influenced by itself. Return of the Jedi, in a lot of ways, is a new hope recycled. You know? Yeah. And it's that's the thing. It's it is is that sort of expectation of a reinterpretation part of star wars and is that why it's so hard for people to break away and accept something that's different or new yes it's a simple the the answer is simple yes and it goes back to what kyle was saying everybody went into that movie wanting to know who ray was related to Mm -hmm. the idea that she might be nobody just they couldn't handle the idea and it's because there's a huge section of fandom that thinks you can't use the force if you aren't related to somebody who uses the force right and that in itself is a so ex- it's so exclusive that is gatekeeping on top of gatekeeping on top of gatekeeping while swinging a sledgehammer around and hitting people outside of the gate i mean mm-hmm. you could not be any less inclusive than to yeah. say if you're not related to kenobi or skywalker or palpatine you can't be a jedi yeah. That isn't what Star Wars taught me when I was a kid. I thought I could be a Jedi. I didn't think I had to be related to anybody. I mean, I was totally going to marry, you know, Mark Hamill, but like I didn't have to marry him to be a Jedi. I could have been one <laughs> without him. You know, <clears throat> and as it turns out, I'm a Jedi without him. But that having <laughs> said that, um, you know, that's that that too is part of it. And I and I, and I think we have to take these things seriously. However, Ridiculous they might be. We have to take seriously the way that people actually behave and the way that people should behave. There is such a thing as principle and then there's reality. In principle, lying is wrong. In reality, 
everybody does it. Hmm. So what, what, you know, how are you going to make your plan? Are you going to make your plan assuming that no one's ever going to lie or are you going to be realistic and go, okay, somebody's going to lie. I mean, it might just be about whether or not they like my carrot cake, but that's (laughs) still lying. And in principle, it's wrong. Well, am I going to, you know, hang them outside the window over lying about the carrot cake? No. So there is that nuance, but we do have to keep in mind that there's principle and there's reality. And that right there is the answer to your uh, initial question between Star Trek and Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Star Wars is principle. Okay. Star Trek is reality because it is a whole bunch of different people of all different kinds, colors, shapes, sizes, and they're all there together. And sure, there are some, you know, I mean, Worf, you know, was not always Boy Scoutish. He was pretty argumentative a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but he got through and over time he learned and he grew. Star Wars doesn't do that. How much did Han Solo change between the, you know, the beginning and when he died? He didn't. Not at all. No, he didn't change. Not even a little. He even looks exactly the same. Same coat as Mm. someone we all know and love once said. Star Wars characters, for the most part, don't change. They don't evolve. And when they do, they're Luke Skywalker and the whole fandom loses its entire mind. (laughs) Right. So... You know, like I said, it's it's that it's that ugly difference between principle and reality. Mm-hmm. And we have to come to the realization that as long as there are more than two people in the room, you're going to have that fight. So start seeing it before it happens and prepare for it by saying, I'm going to make the damn changes and I don't care if you like it or not. Yeah. But accept that there are going to be some people who are going to be like, well, fine, I'm taking my toys and going home. That's the way it is. You're better off without them. Agreed. And they probably stole those toys anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this has been a, a, a really great two hours. Um, I, I think we no, we've I think we covered. I hope I hopefully we covered a lot of ground and and you know snuck in some laughs among a pretty serious topic for Star Wars fans. I tried really hard. <laughs> It was effortless, Raven. Uh, no, but um, guys, I, I hope you guys out there that got something out of this. I know I did. Uh, it would be pretty difficult not to. Uh, so, Raven, I want to thank you so very much for taking time out to hang out Happy with us and, and educate us and give us your POV of this this whole big thing with John and what he said and why it's so important and why we need to be listening. We're born with two ears and one mouth. Yep. We should do yeah. twice as much listening as talking. And Amen. And while we're all stuck at home, <laughs> listen. Yeah. You know, just you got a lot of time to just listen. And it's not that hard to do. No. It's not that hard to do. And and eventually, you know, if we all listen enough, things will improve for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely brought up some some points that Kyle and I never would have thought of. <laughs> you know by by the nature of of the situation we we never would have covered half the things that that you brought to the table uh, yeah i got a bag full <laughs> well i i mean when kyle suggested having you on to discuss this with us uh, i said yeah i mean that's that's a great idea she'll she'll definitely help us 
keep our feet out of our big white mouths. <laughs> <laughs> or shove think, them yeah, in there. Uh, I think I think for the most part you did. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for that. You guys were good. You guys are great and welcoming and it was wonderful. And I'm really appreciate being asked. And, you know, not everybody is ready to talk about this yet, but I just, you know, want to throw it out there to anybody who's listening. I'm ready to talk to anybody about it. And I I will talk to anybody about anything. Um, if I can help open eyes, if I can help, you know, grease wheels, if I can help anybody feel more comfortable about anything by being open and being willing to discuss things that maybe other people aren't ready to talk about or don't want to talk about, you know, um, then I'm going to do it because that's that's my calling as a Jedi is to uh, is to reach out and bring more people in to the force. And that's just always how I felt. So people out there listening, you know, come and find me on Twitter and, you know, by all means, let's talk about it. I'm ready. You've been very open with us and and I know that you're an open book out there anyway. And I, <laughs> I'm, I'm super thankful that you so like so quickly said, yeah, I'll come on. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get to this. You're going to, you're, you're going to plug the show, but <laughs> you guys have been, all over the place like you've been on yeah and, and that that's fantastic so i know that these conversations are happening out there and that yourself and maria and and, and the other cast of characters on sisters with sabers have been doing the work and it, it's mm-hmm. it, it's good to see that the ball is finally rolling among fandom and again it, it's important to hear to break out of your echo chamber absolutely and and just hear another perspective so that you go oh yeah okay i guess that is why it's important. So again, mm-hmm. thank you, Raven, for for coming on, spending a couple hours with us. Next time, next time we have you on, we're just gonna have fun and just goof around and drink. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why don't so tell everybody where you can be found on Twitter and the podcast? Okay. Well. Um, I can be found on Twitter at Jenna Bella J. Um, but if you're looking for Sisters with Sabres, we're at Sabres with. We have an Instagram account, which is Sisters with Sabres. And if you need to reach us, you want to ask us a question, make a comment, suggestion that you're not you know, comfortable throwing out there for everybody to hear, email us at sisterswithsabers at gmail.com. And we generally release our episodes on Mondays, sometimes not, <laughs> but usually <laughs> on Mondays. And, um, and, and, you know, we'd love to hear from you um, either on the podcast or just come and find us on Twitter. Uh, we're really open to talk to anybody. And we, we really just want to make the fandom a more welcome place for everybody and uh, and that's our goal. And you do it well. You guys have wonderful conversations about. And sometimes it'll take a while before you get to Star Wars. But the content yeah. is, is, it, is it's good. It's great conversation anyway. Good. I'm glad. And, and I'm so glad to hear it. It's worth sticking around for. So uh, definitely check out the Sisters with Sabres podcast. It's, it's well worth the time. Um, Nathan, where do people find you out there? I'm at NAF Roberts on Twitter and uh, I'm in the Tumbling Saber Facebook group. So get on that. Cool. And you guys know where to find me at Tumbling Saber, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, where I never use anything. But uh, that's where that's where I'm at. But uh, that's going to do it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Reach out if you need. And otherwise, uh, we'll catch you in the next episode, everybody. Thanks again. And may the force be with you. Bye. 
Bye. Static draws me closer to your place Willing me through my dreams fall away Signs blindly to the lines on your face Beating strong Drifting, not relive this dream over and over and over again. Please don't leave my heart broken, bleeding. Don't believe it. breathing if only to see you next to me sleeping soundly smiling not really this dream over and over Are you running away?